Being a professional mathematician, Gwyneth Stallard talks about her career as a pure mathematician. I'm Gwyneth Stallard and I'm a professor of pure maths at the Open University where I've been for nearly 20 years, I think, which I find a bit scary so I don't feel that old. But I first started there as a one-year research fellowship and then managed to get a lectureship and gradually been promoted through the years to finally get to be a professor. So if anyone asks me what I am, I'd always say I'm a mathematician. And then if the conversation gets more detailed, I go on and say, actually, I'm a pure mathematician, not just a mathematician. And in my job, I do a mixture of things. So obviously part of it is teaching students, which is very different to the Open University to other universities. And that involves being part of a team where you get together and write material which will get sent out to the students but you have to do that very carefully because we have very large numbers of students and it's a very intensive process producing the material and it has to last for at least 10 years hopefully so you don't want to have mistakes because you can't get into a lecture the next morning and say I'm sorry that wasn't quite right here's what it should have said so you really have to get it um, absolutely right the first time so that means that we work in a team about maybe five people sitting around and discussing how we're going to teach something and what the best approach to this should be and then working together on producing draft after draft and you have to get raised to other people going over your material with a red pen and saying, no, no, I think it should be done this way. And it does mean you end up with a very satisfying product at the end of it, hopefully. So that's one thing which I do. And another thing which I do, which is what I think of my main thing is research and that's what's the all-consuming part that takes over your life. Which Research, I would say, is trying to think about general properties that are always true about something. So you'd be looking at structures and way in which functions behave and trying to pick out things that seem to be true for large classes of functions. And, and that can be very satisfying because you can find completely unexpected things, certainly in my own area of research, things which you think could not possibly be true. You can prove results which show that actually these completely counterintuitive results can be true, which means you have to be very careful doing research because something which you think, obviously this must be true, when it comes down to it, actually that isn't the case. It's absolutely fascinating and this is the bit that I love and which I can't stop thinking about different ideas about what things might be true and um, my children will notice that I'm off in a completely different world <laughs> thinking about things and but it's very satisfying and very enjoyable when you get that moment when you realise something that's true that other people haven't realised and, and suddenly things fit together and you can work out what's going on with things and, um, when you've been struggling and struggling to work out what's happening in this situation. And as a pure mathematician, I say I'm not necessarily interested in how the maths that I think about fits into the real world, but Maybe it will do one day, but I'm just interested in looking at things in a very abstract um, level and just trying to understand things better and any interesting questions that come up that I'll be interested in looking at. My area of research is in complex analysis, so looking at functions of complex numbers. And in particular, what I'm interested in is what happens when you repeatedly apply a function again and again and again, and we're looking at limiting behaviour. So if you take a point in the complex plane and then maybe you square it and you square it and you square it and you square it. Some points are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and some points will get smaller and smaller and smaller when you keep on squaring and squaring and squaring. Squaring is the sort of simplest operation you could apply really but you could for just the squaring operation you could look at which 
points in the plane get bigger and which points in the plane get smaller when you square them, then that will split your plane up into different regions that have those different types of behaviour. But you could do that for any function. You could take a much more complicated function and, and look at how different points behave when you keep on applying that function to them again and again and again. And then you can divide your complex plane up into different regions depending on how points behave when you keep on applying this function to them repeatedly. And you'll find that some points, when you keep on applying this function, points that are close to them will have the same sort of behaviour. So they're called stable points because it doesn't matter if you just change your starting point a bit. But other points, if you, you'll find that the points very close to them have completely different behaviour and iteration and they're called the chaotic points. And that set of points often has a very intricate geometric structure. So this is called the Julia set, which people may have heard of, but has a stretch known as a fractal and then there's lots and lots of questions you can ask about the size of that which you can measure in different ways so I've done lots of work on dimensions of Julia sets which is one particular way of measuring the size of it which allows you to give not just to say it's one dimensional like a circle or two dimensional like the whole complex plane but you can have very wiggly curves which you might want to give a dimension of say one and a half to um, so there's lots and lots of different questions you can ask about that and you get very pretty pictures. I'm no good at producing the pictures, I'm not a computer person, but, but the pictures can sometimes provide you with a motivation for asking questions and um, suggesting that something might be true, which I then go away with pencil and paper and chalk and blackboard and try and prove. Mathematicians can be often quite different from other people for lots of reasons. I think one really nice thing about maths especially pure maths is that you don't need any equipment to do it so that you can be thinking about maths wherever you are it's not a nine-to-five job especially when you find an interesting problem say it's something that's all consuming and that you can think about wherever you are and often I think I have the best ideas when I'm driving in the car on the way home I'll talk to somebody at work and we'll have had a few discussions and then whilst my brain is half thinking about that but in its own way I'll have a good idea on the way home from work in the car and even at the beach, my children have looked around and said, you're drawing in the sand, <laughs> doing maths again. So I think that's one really nice thing about it, is that you just can think about it anywhere. And it, I also think it's very nice, and it's not necessarily like a hard science or like an art subject, but you're using both bits of your brain and that you have to think very logically and very carefully and very rigorously, but you also have to think quite imaginatively sometimes to get... To get a completely new idea and a way of looking at things you have to be quite creative to sort of think about different things you know and, and trying to think about what general results might be true and how you're going to prove that you when you've got something really difficult you often have to just let your brain go free and and think really quite creatively and then grab an idea as it comes into your head so that's something that really appeals to me that it has that two aspects to it the sort of creative imaginative side and also the thinking very logically and carefully about things in some ways we're like many other academics and that we do teaching and research and most academics will say their job's not nine to five and but maths is particularly nice and that you can think about it anywhere you are. Okay, so I've been particularly fortunate as a mathematician to have a collaborator who I work with who which works very, very well. We know how each other thinks and we have quite complementary skills and that has been 
fantastic and that we can just sit down and chat about ideas and, and make huge progress by talking together and bouncing ideas off each other in a way that wouldn't have happened if it had just been me sitting down thinking about things. I think often on your own you can sit down and get into a rut of how you're going to approach this problem and, and get stuck sometimes, whereas if there's two of you then you can just bounce different ideas off each other and I think things move forward much more quickly and it's much more fun as well to have someone to talk to about maths. And also I think we have different skills and that I'm quite good at um, having the imaginative hand-waving things and I think I'll often come in and say something like, well, I think if we could prove something like this, then that would work and we could prove this problem and then I'll ask for my collaborator if he knows the mathematical result that would let us do that and he has a very good technical background and in classical complex analysis, not just complex dynamics and can often pick out the result that will be useful and know how to apply that. So I think that works particularly well. And more widely, I really like the area that I'm in. It seems to be a very friendly area. Some areas seem to be more competitive than others, but this particular area of research that I'm in seems to be very friendly. And we have a collaborator in Germany who's very supportive and very generous with his ideas. And, and everyone seems to be, on the whole, trying to just share ideas quite openly and encourage each other to get new results. And also, I find it a very nice area compared to others, and there seem to be a few more women than in some areas. When I first went to some classical complex analysis meetings I walked in the room and thought they're all men apart from me <laughs> but when I went to the first international conference in my area of complex dynamics there were quite a lot of other young women which was to me and and people just generally being friendly and more relaxed and and just wanting to chat about ideas and share thoughts so I think really the most important thing to me in terms of how I work and support is really collaboration and colleagues within the area and also the OU, the Open University where I work, has been very friendly and supportive and that's been a very nice place to work in terms of people trying to look after you and I've been very fortunate in people encouraging me to go for promotion and writing cases and saying that you should go and giving me confidence to things and nominating for prizes and things which has made a huge difference in my career. And more practical things, what do I need for support kind of on the most important thing I need is paper and pencil so I'm never without those and that's very easy to get and also blackboard and chalk it's extremely important computers I have to use for writing things up but I'm not a big computer person but as I say the pictures are nice and they're useful for kind of motivating other people as to why your research is interesting if you can show them pretty pictures they get interested and then start asking you questions and a huge difference since when I started my PhD is the internet which wasn't there when I started and now I can't imagine working without it that you can get papers that you from way back that you might want to look at you think there might be something useful in there you can just get them from the internet and instantaneously often and that's amazing to be able to do that and also being able to work with people in other countries so we have this collaboration in Germany we can email him and he can email back and we can send drafts of papers across in a way that you'd had to put things in the post before and it's so much easier being able to just communicate electronically and so that's extremely important. More recently, I've been very fortunate that my collaboration. I've been supported by a grant from the EPSRC, which has funded our research for the last three years, and that's enabled us to not be having to work on big teaching projects but have much more time for our research, which has meant that we've been able to tackle a very hard problem and just have the luxury of being able to spend months working on something, not knowing whether it'll work out at the other end, and knowing we had time to do that, which meant that we could try ideas which are much more speculative than normal you might normally want to be pretty sure you're going to get a result out at the end whereas this has meant that we've been able to take the time to try new ideas which often have actually had applications in completely different problems that we hadn't anticipated so that's been extremely useful 
ways in which I share my work with other people, I mean, the main thing which you always aim to do in mass research is to write it up as a paper to get published in a journal, and that would be the ultimate aim of when you've got your research, and sometimes that's the hard bit. You have this really nice, satisfying bit of having these ideas and, and this flash of inspiration when you understand how it all fits together, and then you have to write it out really, really carefully. But that's very important to get that done. And also talking at conferences. I was at a conference in Poland last week talking about these new ideas. And, and that can be really, really useful as well, just standing up and giving a talk and somebody might ask you a question or more likely just chatting over coffee afterwards and then people can ask you questions which make you think about it in a completely different way that you might not have thought about before and give you a new direction to go off in. Or I remember my very first conference talking about something and people saying... I think you could prove this and because I'm quite stubborn and determined I thought I think you could prove the opposite and because these quite clever well-known people had asked me if I could prove one thing and I thought I could prove the opposite that was quite a good motivation to me to go away and prove that the opposite was true which I did manage to do and also in terms of disseminating work sort of something which I didn't used to do but now I do is to put papers up on websites when they're, once they're ready submitting to a journal just because the publication time in pure maths is so long that you can often be two years between writing a paper and it appearing in a journal so it's very useful these days to be able to put that on a website so that people can see it straight away and, and you can start sharing ideas much earlier on. The difficulties that I found as a mathematician in my career I think there's probably two points I found particularly difficult so the first point was going from a PhD and then trying to get a position after that when there are very few postdoctoral positions in mathematics and I was married at that point and not wanting to look around the country or go abroad but trying to find something that was near where my husband worked and I was so determined that I was going to be a mathematician and, and couldn't think of anything else that I could do that I hung on in there and I think I am quite stubborn and determined so in a sense that got me through that period but that was very tricky and I ended up writing around to universities that I could get to and just asking if there's anything that I could do and Southampton came back and asked me if I could go and teach engineers about complex analysis and that was actually my lifeline and I did that for a bit and then they gave me a temporary proper lectureship for one year and then for another year and that was if it hadn't been for that that was the point when things were quite tricky and I also think I wasn't quite aware that I my level of ability it was only many years later when I got a prize I suddenly thought maybe I was reasonably good at this and at that point I don't think I realized that I was quite good and I, I could have not carried on if just because I couldn't find a job if I apart from that, that I was determined that I wanted to and I, that was what I was desperate to do and it wasn't obvious what else I would do really if I because I am a mathematician and that's what I do <laughs> so I'd say that was a tricky bit and I think that is difficult for lots I know that's a very tricky bit for lots of people is trying to get through that stage when there are temporary jobs and and very few positions to go to and I think that can be particularly hard for people when there's two of you are often I think lots of women their partners are also mathematicians and I've certainly talked to lots of people struggling to get two positions in the same place and that seems to be a big problem that no one's really addressing very much I think but people are beginning to be aware that this is something that needs looking at and the other point which I would say was difficult and I had to really keep going was coming back after maternity leave I was very fortunate being at the Open University who had been extremely flexible and allowed me to come back 
part-time and gradually increase my hours as the children have got older but coming back half-time having been full-time was a bit of a shock because the emails don't halve and the meetings don't halve and I would come home and instead of being able to think about research all evening I would have a baby who was (laughs) crying and needed looking after and that was the point again when I had to hang on and at that point I was very lucky having a collaborator because he was able to write up results if he had more time than me at that point and when we were working together he was able to go to conferences and I wasn't able to go to conferences at that point because the children were too little but he could go and talk about our joint results and also tell me what other people were doing and come back and give me ideas and we could chat at work and then he could write up the results so that was extremely useful at that point and also so the open university being flexible I didn't have to be in for nine o'clock lectures so if children were ill and I could it was difficult but I could do the work in the evenings once they'd finally gone to bed and I was lucky I think compared to being in a more rigid job where you might have to be in for certain hours I could work things around a bit more than some people and I'd say what's been really satisfying is as the children have got older, it's all got easier and I've kind of increased my hours and going up has been lovely. Going down from being full-time to part-time was quite challenging, but gradually getting that time back and being able to think in the evenings and has been really lovely. And I've seen my research take off completely over the last few years, which has been very nice. And I think talking to, again, talking to other women, so one thing which actually takes a huge part of my life at the moment is being chair of the London Math Society Women in Maths Committee and in doing that I do talk to lots of other women and one of the things we've done recently is to carry out a survey and that showed that lots of other women were saying the same thing that they struggled to keep their research going after maternity leave and coming back and they were, the teaching had to be done the admin had to be done but if you weren't careful the thing that got squeezed out was research but, and again for maths you really need that clear period of time but I think this is one thing that people are beginning to become aware of, that they really need to look after women at that stage in their careers and take a long-term view. So some universities will offer you a sabbatical at that point when you get back from maternity leave so that you can keep your research going and just get it, get back into it and get that clear period of time that you need without any teaching to get back into things and, and really get moving again. And other universities I've heard of offer fellowships for women coming back that they can apply for so that they can get cover for their teaching and have a clear period of research so I think there are lots of good initiatives um, out there and suddenly it seems to have crept up well shot up the national agenda over the last kind of year or so I think the international review of maths highlighted this as an area of concern that the low number of women in maths in the UK and that suddenly people are talking and I've been asked to talk to lots of people who are suddenly want to know what they can do so that's extremely encouraging and I think things are getting a lot better and people are looking at how they can change working practices in maths departments to really try and keep women in there and get them up through to the top of the career so that there's not this waste of talent that we've sort of seen over the in previous years. So I can see things moving and people wanting to know what practical steps they could do to make it easier. And so I think things are feeling very positive at the moment and that's a very nice stage to be at. This recording was created for the project Being a Professional Mathematician, supported by the MSOR Network, the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, and the Universities of Greenwich and Birmingham, as part of the National HE STEM programme. It is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike Licence.